Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And before we dive in, it's our one year anniversary. Yay! Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Nonprofit Radio Show. It has been such a delight. We know we have listeners all over Washington, Idaho. We have listeners in Idaho, Wisconsin, Florida. Where else? If, you, if you're listening from someplace else, we want to know where you are. And we just welcome, welcome, welcome everyone who's with us. Absolutely. And especially those in our home state of Washington, we hope you're still listening in and uh, we hope we've been helpful over the last year and will continue to be so in the year to come. Absolutely. Sarah, today I want to talk about community building. That, you know, one of the challenges that nonprofits face is how to build their community. I think about this that our database is like a piggy bank, right? We're a small organization or we're doing a good project and we're just filling up that database. We're having events, we're meeting friends at volunteer activities, however we're doing it, we're filling up our our piggy bank with names and addresses, but we don't really know what's inside, right? You know, when I say database, it could be anything from an Excel spreadsheet to something fancy, but no matter what you have, you know, you're filling up this database, but then you have these very kind of practical questions. First, how do you get names into your database? And then, you know, how do you get to know what's inside your piggy bank? How do you crack that baby open and like look at it, right? So. So Sarah, what what do you think about this topic? Oh, well, first of all, I love that we're talking about piggy banks. I was a I was a kid with a piggy bank and I loved it. And I too struggled with how to get all the money out of it. It didn't have one of those neat and tidy little, little um, stopper at the yes, bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I can picture this really, really well. Um, and I also I also think of it as how you take something two-dimensional, like names in a database and make them three-dimensional and human, right? How do we go from just names in a database, addresses, worried about, are those correct? Did we get the zip code right? To thinking about who is this person and and what do they share? So what you, of course, know about me is I'm going to talk about community building as movement building. I Um, knew it. (laughs) Because I think there is a whole lot of inspiration and strategy that comes when we reframe our thinking about anything like volunteers or fundraising. When we reframe that and shift our goal to building a movement, and what I mean by that is thinking about how do we get as many people as we can who share our organizational values and our organizational vision for the future. So when we think about building a movement, we automatically are thinking inclusively. We aren't just thinking about donors who have money or people who have time. We're thinking about everyone. How could we get everyone who shares our values? And we're thinking about all the ways we can engage those different people with different resources and time. And then if everyone feel like they're a part of the movement for change, because then they're out there being ambassadors for us. That's why building a movement is so important. That's how you show your impact and your power. And so I just think it opens up this lens for us to see our work and what we do. And and then we're open to new ideas and strategies, especially as we grow that movement and other people have ideas we haven't thought of. So it's this wonderful way to broaden the lens through which we see our work. So we want to have a nice big piggy bank. We want it full. And then we have to know how to do something with the all that information in that piggy bank. I, I really like that. And it maybe shows that our piggy bank metaphor is, is limited in the sense that 
when you talk about build the movement, I love that you're really blurring the boundaries, that you're no longer like you're in or you're out. Right. You're not like a donor or not. You're really blurring those boundaries to, to um, look upward and outward to your community as opposed to just within the boundaries of your organization. I really love that. And and, you know, we've talked a lot in this podcast about being purpose-centered. Mm, and I think this really calls forward that purpose-centeredness. So what do we need to know? Like, how do we, what's our first step here? Well, of course, it starts with a, a nonprofit radio uh, principle, um, which is before you can do any of this, you have to actually know what your organizational values are, your purpose, what you stand for, how you conduct yourself, and what your vision for the future is so that you can articulate it so that the matchmaking can occur. So step one, super easy, hard to do, but simple step. Make sure you know what your organizational values and vision for the future are and be able to articulate it clearly and effortlessly to those around you. That can be a practical exercise led by your board and staff. We can talk about that in another session, maybe. It's probably a whole episode into itself, but it is something every organization can do. And then you make sure it's clearly communicated so that you're signaling to people what you stand for so they can signal back that they share those values. One way to, to also do this is I, I think of it as the dartboard exercise. I, I know, Nancy, you've uh, had concentric circles um, in some workshops I've been in with you, but that's where you really kind of go through this exercise of, okay, if, if we have these values and vision for the future, who's closest in? That's the center of the dartboard. What types of people? It doesn't have to be names of people, but you know, is it others who share our passion for flowers? Is it others who share our vision for education. And then, okay, who's one ring further out and who's one ring further out. And when you start to identify who those groups are that might share your values, then you know who to be signaling to and communicating to, to invite them in. I love that. I'm out. I'm actually picturing my head. Our piggy bank has a light on the inside. Ooh, we nice. turn that light on so that people who are inside the piggy bank are not left in the dark, that they're really seeing why they're there in that larger purpose of our organization. Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about fundraising, we talk about um, how we communicate with people beyond the ask. This is what we're talking about. How are you articulating, signaling your values and vision for the future? And so people can say, yep, I'm right there with you. I may not be responding with money every time, but I'm right there with you. I love that. So, so we've got this piggy bank of people. Let's think. So, how do I know what's in my database? How do I know who's in my community? Like, how do I dig into that? Right. And cracking open that piggy bank, seeing what's inside. Maybe maybe what we really want is like a laser vision to see inside of it. Um, but And I actually think as nonprofit organizations, this is something we struggle with. Um, we sort of treat everyone in that piggy bank the same. Like, right, they're all coins. But really, they're different coins in there. And, and we need to understand those different coins and why they wanted to be, uh, I guess, in our piggy bank. And so we tend to think of this, I think that the traditional nonprofit approach to thinking about this is to push out information. So I'm just going to keep pushing out information. Here's a great thing we just did. Here's an event we're having. All, just one thing after another to you in the piggy bank, right? But at that moment, we aren't necessarily having specific ways for the people we're reaching out to, to respond honestly and gracefully with us as to whether or not, yeah, I still share your values and your vision for the future. Now that I'm learning more, it actually is my thing, right? We kind of have this black or white yes or no response. So what tends to happen is we send something out uh, like an annual appeal letter and a yes means you sent a check. Otherwise, silence. 
right? Those are typically are the responses. Yes, check, silence. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a false binary that we have, without even thinking, created for ourselves. Exactly. And same with an event, right? Can you come to my event, Nancy? Oh, no, I can't. Or yes, I can. Or most of the time, yes, or silence. And what do we do with that silence or with that no, I can't? We make assumptions because we don't know if you can't come because the date is just not working for you, or if you can't come because you don't like events, or if you can't come because we actually aren't your best match for vision and values and, and, and thoughts for the future and the change you want to be a part of. So we tend to fill that silence with our own assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us assume, oh, everyone loves us. <laughs> some of us assume no one loves us right? No matter what, we're wrong when we make those broad assumptions about what that lack of response is. And so it's so much better to get clarity. So one way to use your laser vision to see who's in that movement with you is to rethink the way you ask for feedback in things. So I started in the in the pandemic with my organization thinking when we sent out our annual appeal, like, oh, I bet we have a lot of donors who love our mission care for it deeply, have in the past, still do, but perhaps this year are just not in a financial place of stability to make a donation. And I want them to still feel like they're a part of this. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to think, oh, I feel awful. I'll just throw that in the recycling, right? I want them to be able to respond with power and success and say, I'm a part of it. So we added a box that said, I share your belief in mission, you know, describe your mission, but I just can't give this year. Please keep me on your list, right? And just having that box on the card gives them a chance to say, I, uh, I too, I share your vision and values for the future. I think that's really brilliant. And it, it, again, it's, it's breaking apart that binary and creating a space because if I think about it, if I were looking at your, your piece of paper and I, I had to think about it, If I saw a statement, I share your values, I'm excited about your mission, but I can't give this year, that would actually affirm my belief in your mission. Like there's a psychological thing that happens within me that I actually have to think about it and say, yes. Yeah. Right. And then check that box. Exactly. And it's also signaling something about our organizational values. I don't just value people in my database because they give us money, right? That's not the only value. I see value as an organization in you saying, I'm on your team. That's enough. That's like a a bar enough, right? And I think that also is, so it's a two-way dialogue going back and forth between between you and I about what what values we share. I've also started to believe, I haven't figured out the wording on this one yet, but we should also all add a box that says, I have other giving priorities this year. Now that's different than please take me off your mailing list, right? That one, maybe many of us put on there in small font, hoping no one checks it, right? (laughs) What if you said, I have other giving priorities this year? That gives me this amazing opportunity to reach out to you, Nancy, and to say, Nancy, I saw you check that box in our reply card, which first signals, I saw you, I pay attention to you, right? And I'm so glad to hear that you have other giving priorities. Do you need any help finding an organization in our community that does the things that you're interested in, right? And maybe you say, well, yes, I'm super interested in something. And then I can say, oh, well, I know that. I know an organization that does that. Well, let me give you their website or here's a person you can talk to there. It also lets me then say, 
Nancy, I completely respect that you have other giving priorities this year. Do you want to stay on our mailing list and just get our newsletter to know what's going on at our organization? Or would you prefer not to receive anything from me anymore? It's the ultimate respect, right? I'm asking you clearly, not assuming, what do you want from that? And we get to have one last dialogue. I think it's actually a really wonderful thing if your database actually has fewer records in it, but they're all records of people who want to be there. So I think it's really important to to reframe our thinking around, well, we're sending out a thousand annual appeal letters. That means we're going to do great. People like us. We've got big numbers. We have a big number. But what if it was instead we got a 42% return on our annual appeal letters and another 20% who said they couldn't give this year, but who, you know, love our work and are on our team. And that happens when when you've sorted through all that information in your database, all those people in your database, and you've really identified um, who's who's really on your team. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about actually takes a lot of courage mm. and it takes a real commitment, not just to movement building, but to community building in the larger sense. So you care as much about your neighboring nonprofit as you do about yours. And that's pretty powerful. I just want to, and, and you're also talking a lot about a curiosity, a curiosity about the people in your, in your so-called piggy bank, as we talk about, and that people feel that if people feel that you're actually curious about them, they become more curious about you. And I think that's, that's really important. The, another thing that I, I want to just point out is how experimental and innovative you're, you're suggesting that we be. Mm-hmm. That I worked with one organization and the executive director was really pretty firm that we do things a certain way. We always send snail mail letters. We sent them full postage mm-hmm. and we sent them to every single name in our database. And about, you know, every time 30 bounced back because the person had moved. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking, this is crazy. Why don't we innovate new ways to do this? And that's what you're inviting us to think about. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And again, because you're trying to move from this two-dimensional list of names to seeing them as people. And when we see them as people, we want them to find the cause that makes them joyful, right? I mean, any of us who work in a nonprofit community, our goal should be that every human finds a cause that brings them meaning and joy and a sense of belonging. And whether that's our organization or another, I, I don't care, but that's that's what we're trying to do. And when we do that genuinely, we'll find more people who share our values. You know, we've talked before about the connection between nonprofits and community organizing. And I think you're talking also about, you know, that person on the hill with a bullhorn versus the person going door to door. Totally. And, and back to your thought on thinking experimentally, I mean, I, I have been thinking in my own head too, about how can I change my calls to action? So oftentimes a, a call to action is give, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, and that could be give your time or give a, a volunteer hour, right? We, we put something out and ask them, but I've been trying to think about, okay, what are other ways? So th- maybe those are always options. Here are four things you can do to help us. You could donate, you could donate your time, but how else? Could they get involved and show their shared value, both so that they are getting a fuller expression of that value, they're seeing it in other dimensions, and you're signaling we don't care about you only because you write a check, only because you give us an hour a week. So could they write a letter to some, you know, is there is there some way they could help you be an advocate for something? Could they put a sticker on their car window that says, I support this? Could they simply take your newsletter and give it to a friend? Right. And when we articulate 
really clearly, like, Nancy, I want to know you're in this movement. Would you let me know that you've shared this on social media, that you've put the sticker in your window, send me a picture of it in your window. Tell me you've written a letter to your senator asking for this, you know, piece of legislation that's so important to us. Giving someone multiple ways builds their sense of relationship to your organization and your mission. And it's a wonderful experiment for us as an organization to find out how people want to be engaged, right? We're testing Mm -hmm. constantly. Oh, who did only two people did that, but 16 people did this. Well, okay, let's feed more opportunities there because that seems to be a way people feel meaning in connecting to our mission. So I love the idea of experimenting and I love the idea of pushing us all, challenging us all to think not just about the messaging we push out, but how we're pulling back in people in the ways we give them to respond. I love it. So Sarah, what's our word of the week? Oh, well, so I think our word of the week should be here, as in what do you hear when the birds are singing? There's a, there's, because there's a real difference in my mind between listening and hearing. Now, listening, listening is an essential starting point, right? You can't hear if you can't listen. You have to But to listen, you have to be quiet. You have to actually stop talking. You have to stop pushing out your message. And sometimes you have to ask that right question that invites in an answer. But I think listening becomes really powerful when it becomes hearing. And in my mind, that's when you not only take in the words someone is telling you, whether that's verbally or written, but you then reflect on them and you adapt your actions based on what they told you. You respond to them differently. And I think if nonprofits adopted a goal of really hearing from the people they serve, from the people who give time or money, and the people who maybe don't share their values or vision and understanding why, we'd all be way stronger and we'd have these super efficient databases full of people we could mobilize to build our movement. I agree. I agree. And I think particularly in this time in our country and culture, listening and hearing is so, so important. You know, for me, the word here is a heart word. It actually lives in the word heart, which is just a cute piece of this. But hearing is a heart word that when people talk, we hear their heart and we express our heart back. And in that, it takes courage, right? It takes courage to ask a question that you might not like the answer to. Like, do you want to be removed from our databases? And we don't want them to say, yeah, get me off there. And so, so we need to be prepared to ask questions and to be courageous in that and to be firm in our purpose and clear in our, in our work that we are able to hear what they have to say. Hearing also takes patience because nonprofits are usually so busy that we don't pause to listen in deep ways. We're not pausing to really listen to people in our community to see what they authentically want to know about our work. So I think here is a great word for this, for this episode. Absolutely. You know, we are really grateful that you, our listeners, are out there working hard to make your mission a movement. And we just want to pause on this one-year anniversary and state clearly that your work matters, and that we believe there are more people than you know who share your values and vision. You just have to keep reaching out for them and giving them easy ways to signal back that they are walking with you in your movement. They are there. Keep inviting them in and keep hearing from them. You've got this.
Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.